The Beers and Ears podcast is sponsored by Riss and Cal. This holiday season in your search for stocking stuffers, you don't have to be like the Mad Titan, scouring the universe to collect all six stones. Instead, find all the tech accessories you need for your friends and family in one place. Whether it's wireless neck fans for those warm days at the studios, or a waterproof case for when you're searching for that wandering rabbit, they've got an entire assortment. When you go to fourfrills.com shop, that's the number four, P-H-R-I-L-L-S dot com slash shop. Select your items and then use coupon code BEERS, B-E-E-R-S at checkout. You'll get 15% off your purchase. Don't forget that proceeds of the purchase go to help nonprofits and a portion of the proceeds help to support the Beers and Ears podcast as well. So head on over to fourfrills.com and use that promo code today to get a jump start on your holiday shopping. Let's start the show. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. There was an idea to bring together 23 episodes of a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe so that when we needed it, we were ready for the premiere of Black Widow. This is That Podcast. And now for your hosts of the Beers and Ears Podcast, here's Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Welcome, everyone, to day four of the Infinity Saga series here on at the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Casey. Welcome, everyone, to day four. Like Matt said, I hope you have been enjoying the journey as much as we have. Today, Matt, we're talking about Iron Man 2, correct? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still in the enjoyment period of this journey. I, I hope that this continues, but um, uh, this is a lot of movies and a lot of days, but I, I'm, I'm having a great time so far. Yeah, Iron Man 2 is what yeah. we're talking today. So, Casey, overall impressions, what, what's, what, what'd you think? So, I will tell you, it has been uh, literally a decade since I've seen this movie, because this movie came out in either 2009 or 2010. I don't know exactly when it, when it came out, but right around that time period, I saw it in theaters and I will tell you that watching it now, knowing what I know now and watching it in this order, knowing what I know now, I forgot that Black Widow was in this. I forgot that Natasha Romanoff was. I I forgot so much about how much this movie is a linchpin to the creation of the universe. That this is the movie where I think Feige really started to build all of it. I mean, Iron Man was a test. It was a you know a toe in the water, if you will. We've talked about you know Captain America, which I believe came after this movie. Correct? Yes, it did. Okay, so Captain America came after this movie, but we've already seen it in the chronological series. This is the this is the linchpin because at this point, Fury obviously, or, or you know, Samuel L. Jackson has his seven picture deal or whatever it was to appear in seven movies. You know, this is the first one where he makes a substantial appearance in it, right? But I just forgot how much of a linchpin this movie was to creating that universe that Feige ended up creating with the MCU. Yeah, I mean, you're you're seeing all the connections start to come in here with, I mean, there's a whole scene with Nick Fury, Black Widow gets a lot of screen time, even though uh, in this film, you, 
if you're watching it for the first time, you don't know that it's Black Widow. Yeah. And whereas now knowing that, it's like, oh, it's it's fascinating. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I think like you, I had not seen this movie in yeah. in a long time. Partly because just when you're thinking about MCU movies to watch, Iron Man Two isn't really the one that you like necessarily think of right away and be like, oh, we should totally watch Iron Man Two. And so it had been a while and and I had forgotten a lot of all the, like you said, the connections to the greater universe that, that we had seen. I mean, even near the end when Coulson says, I got to go to New Mexico is like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's, a, that's Thor. He's going to check out Thor's yep. hammer. Exactly. Which when you watch the movie originally, you don't realize that when you watch the movie originally, I remember seeing this movie in theaters and in, in the post credit scene where you see Thor's hammer. And I remember my heart, pounded and came out of my chest i was so excited to see thor's hammer because for the longest time thor has always been my favorite has always been my favorite uh uh you know comic book character and he's only recently been replaced with doctor strange i love doctor strange which we'll get to later on but thor i mean to see him to see that hammer show up you know i know i'm getting ahead of myself but that was just in, in my this movie has so many connections to 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 everything and the chronological order part of it is starting to pay off now too. You know, when Tony's going through his dad's notes and you see what is the Tesseract, I mean, you see the drawing of the Tesseract in his notes, even though it's not really, he doesn't, it's not said out loud. It's an energy source, but you see the drawing of it and you know what it is because you've already seen it in Captain America. Exactly. Right. Now, had we watched this otherwise, you would not have known what that was. If you would have watched it in the timeline order of when it was produced, you may not have known what the Tesseract was yet. But now you know what that is. So that's a huge deal. I will say this. I love the way that Jon Favreau deals with Don Cheadle coming in to take over the the role of, of James Rhodes. Yes. When when he comes in and, and of course, you know, he's he, he comes in to testify. Right. And he's walking and you don't see the front of him yet. So you still think it's Terrence Howard walking in, which coincidentally, did you know that Terrence Howard for Iron Man was the most, was the highest paid actor in Iron Man. He made more money than Robert Downey Jr. on Iron Man one. That's wild. Robert Downey Jr. only made, I looked this up last night. Robert Downey Jr. only made $500,000 for Iron Man one. And Terrence Howard made more than him. I, I saw an article about how much uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. made for Endgame. Robert Downey Jr. for Endgame, just to give you a contrast real quick, and then I'll get back to my thought. So in Iron Man, he made $500,000. In Endgame, he made a base salary, a base salary of $20 million. Oof. And get this, get this, 7% of the profits. Ooh. He walked away with $75 million for Endgame. Just for Endgame. $75 million. Oof. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> so anyway, back to my point. Terrence Howard made more money than Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man. But so when they reveal, you know, obviously Captain Rhodes or, or, or you know, uh, Rhodes is walking down the the to, to go in and give his testimony. And then you see Tony stand up and go over to him and, and you just, you hear Don Cheadle go. Hey buddy. Didn't expect to see you here. Look, it's me. I'm here. Deal with it. Let's I move on. I, I just, I drop, drop it. it. All right. I'll drop it. It's me. I'm here. Deal with it. Move on. Like total meta 
moment because you knew that people were going to question it. You knew people were going to go, what's up with this? It, it was just, it was literally John Favreau's way of dealing, saying, like, look, it is what it is. Just move on. Accept it yes. for what it is. And of course, you don't really, I didn't get that when I saw the movie 10 years ago, but you look at it now because obviously Rhodey from seeing all the movies is Don Cheeto, Don Cheeto, right? But it just, I just, I thought it was the best moment ever. I think it was the best moment of the movie, to be honest with you. I loved it. Yeah, it, it, it fits in the scene. So you wouldn't really realize it's meta if you, if you didn't, um, if you, yeah. if you hadn't seen the rest of it. So yeah, I, 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 th- th- I thought that was a clever way of doing it. So um, as per usual, who is your favorite character and why? So I think it goes to the fact that I really liked Rhodey in this movie. I think that, again, this movie being the linchpin that starts to hold a bunch of the other movies together, you see Captain Rhodes, or uh, uh, sorry, not Captain Rhodes. What is his official title? I, uh, uh, is he Captain? No, he's um, General. Is he General? Colonel. Yeah. Colonel Rhodes. Thank you. It's Colonel. You're right. It's Colonel. You see Colonel Rhodes come into his own. You see him kind of come into his own as War Machine. In fact, you hear the name War Machine for the first time. If you want to be a War Machine, right? Um, you see him stand up to Tony. You see his, um, you see his empathetic side. You see um, his comedic side, and you start to see that friendship that forms really between him and Tony. That's going to carry them into other parts of the MCU as we go forward. So, by all means, I think uh, Colonel Rhodes was 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 the best. So for me, it was Sam Rockwell's character, Justin Hammer. Okay. I I had forgotten how well played this... He's not really the villain of the story. I would say he's more of the antagonist of the story, uh-huh. if, if we're splitting hairs here. But I love that he had this confidence about him that yeah. was so... It, it, it fell flat on his face. Like any time that he's he's conversing with Vanko or Whiplash, he thinks he's the one in control, and he's totally not. Like Vanko is absolutely playing him, but he has this bravado about him that he thinks he is just totally in control. When he's giving the presentation at the Stark Expo, he's dancing around and he yep. says a line that he thinks is going to get a ton of applause, and like three people clap. And I out just, of pity, out of pity too. Yes, <laughs> I, 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 I it, what I love about it is he hates Tony Stark so much, and yet he is absolutely trying to be Tony Stark. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. I completely agree with you. You know, and speaking of, of whiplash, I mean, I, I know you, you had praised, you know, Obadiah Stane yesterday when we talked about Iron Man, I, I will say that Mickey Rourke as whiplash plays an amazing villain. He, he, I loved him. I think he ranks up there as one of the best villains of MCU. Really? Um, See, that's my low point of this movie. Really? it, it it's his his character is I, l- let me say on a positive how they start the movie with them him watching this all this Tony Stark stuff and working on his whiplash suit thing is 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 a really I think interesting setup to the film but otherwise if you really look at it it's generic bad guy where it's my my dad and your dad work together and your dad cast off my dad. So now I don't like you. It's, it's like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like it, it just didn't quite 
it just didn't quite do it for me. I, I, I don't, yeah, it just didn't, I, I don't think his performance of it was bad. I just think the character itself was just like, eh, eh, okay. I, I think that the reason why I like it so much is because it does give us a chance to have a window back into Howard Stark and, you know, Howard Stark having, you know, again, in the timeline of when this was created, we had not seen Captain America yet. Right. But now that we have, we're able to see a window back into who Howard Stark was post Captain America, but before we are where we are now, and you're able to see the, the somewhat selfishness, the somewhat, at least that's what you think it is. The selfishness of Howard Stark of taking credit for an invention that wasn't fully his. I, I just, I, I think Mickey Rourke did an amazing job playing the character. I think the way he comes out whipping those 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 uh, whips uh, at the race, the scene where the cars are flipping over, the way he cuts those cars, the way that Favreau was able to interject um, a comedy into the scene where he kept cutting the car that Pepper and and Happy Hogan are in before uh, before Stark can actually get the uh, get the suit. I just I think he's an awesome villain, and and you know little subtleties too. I think the way that when he calls Stark and the two guards are hanging in the background, like that, that's a well done scene. It's a I'll very well done scene. You know, um, I, I don't know. I, and I think, I think why I liked him as a villain too, is he had a lot of comedy, you know, the way that he comes off, the way he says certain things. What you want them to do? Well, long-term I want them to put me in the Pentagon for the next 25 years. I want to make Iron Man look like an antique. I want to go to that Stark Expo. I want to take a dump in Tony's front yard. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. No problem. Hey, fabulous. I love it. Yeah. Hey, this is our guy. <laughs> I, had a, I had a feeling. You know, when he makes the droids as opposed to making the helmets. And, you know, and when, when Hammer tells him, you know, you've just got to let some things go. you got to forget about things. And he kind of plays that line back to him. you just got to let it go, you know, with the fact that these are going to be droids. Droids are better. I just... I, I don't know. I liked him as a villain. I, I I liked him better as a villain than some of the villains we're going to start to see upcoming, like Ultron. You know, like I was never a fan of Ultron. I think he's a better villain than Ultron. Yeah, I, I mean, and again, I don't want to. I don't want to say that it was uh, a bad performance or or anything like that. I just think the it it, it just is very like generic bad guy storyline like there really wasn't anything else there and maybe that's my high expectations because there are so many great comic book villains with great mm-hmm. uh motives and interesting motives and this just felt kind of like eh. um so yeah what's well, gonna um, be interesting too because we're still in the earth-based villains right now yes you know nothing has gone outer space yet you know we've still got incredible hulk to go yet um which is going to introduce us to gamma rays and stuff and i've not i've not seen incredible hulk so this will be the first really? watch of, yeah so this will be the first watch of incredible hulk for me when we oh, when we watch this tomorrow yeah so uh it'll be an interesting take on that to watch that um so i don't i don't know what to expect but i know thor comes after that where we start to get into literally a whole different world uh and we start to look at space-based villains and other universe-based villains and things along those lines you had mentioned low point so uh, low point for me so you obviously talked about your low point low point for me actually was uh black widow was was natalie and and i say this with a double-edged sword 
my notes here on Black Widow towards the end as she's starting to fight. By the way, you don't know she's Black I don't think the name Black Widow gets uttered in this yet. I don't believe so, no. I believe it's Natasha Romanoff. So unless you're a comic book fan, you don't know that she's Black Widow yet, right? You don't know who she is. You just know the name. You know she's a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. But um, my my note here, and I'm allowed to say this on the podcast because it's still a family-friendly word, was damn Black Widow, damn, <laughs> was when she was kicking butts, kicking butt at the end, right? I was, I was, I was impressed with that. What I was not impressed with was the way that she was acted as she was Natalie. When she walks out of Pepper's office and she's kind of got this weird, she almost loses her balance as she's walking out. I don't know if that was Romanoff trying to portray an inept secretary a little bit more than, or legal counsel a little bit more than she should have. I don't know if it was, you know, the, 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 the actress trying to come into her own, you know, the first time she's playing the part, you know, Scarlett Johansson kind of come into her own as the character. I think I just felt a little let down by her in this movie, knowing what she ends up becoming in later movies. Yeah, I can see that. Um, And and this to me would be, again, a fascinating watch through for someone who hasn't seen these movies and doesn't have the, oh, that's Black Widow. And we know what she becomes. I would love to hear from people who have never seen any Marvel movies and and to hear what their thoughts on the character are. That to me would be insanely interesting. Yeah, that's a it's like a it's like a toothpaste out of the tube scenario because once you know it, you know it, and you don't you can't yeah. go back. Once the genie's out of the bottle, that's it. Um, any high points of the movie? Absolutely, I have a high point, and I got two actually. The first is this is when we start to see the cool Iron Man suit ups mm-hmm. on that racetrack when he takes that suitcase and flips it open and grabs it and like puts on his chest plate and then stretches out his arms and like locks into place i'm like oh this is so cool i'm like i'm i'm like visibly getting excited about it and i know you cannot see me but i am visibly getting excited talking about (laughs) it it's just oh and and this starts the long line of in all these iron man films of really cool suit-ups yeah. And that's something that I really like throughout these films. I will reference every single one of them in the episodes upcoming. Don't you worry. And the second part was, you know, I forget how much I like Nick Fury as a character because he's only in a lot of these films for like two minutes. But the scene with him and Tony Stark at the donut shop where he is like, What do we want from you? No, what do you want from me? You have become a problem, a problem I have to deal with. Contrary to your belief, you are not the center of my universe. Yeah, I, I have bigger problems than you in the Southwest region to deal sure. with. Hit him. That, <laughs> the the delivering of the line, he's kind of like reaming Tony Stark. I, I just, I, I love that scene. Yeah, I liked, I liked Clark Gregg <clears throat> um, in this, uh, uh, you know, Agent, is it Casper, I think? Or, yeah. Colson. Yeah, Colson. Sorry, Casper. He plays uh, an agent Casper in the West Wing as well uh, for the FBI. So I get those two confused. But Agent Colson, I really like him in this too. You kind of get to see some of his comedic value, and again, some of the the tentacles of seeing him in Captain Marvel, and then seeing the way that he's he's um, 
you know, he's true to Fury, Fury, he's loyal to Fury here, you're able to start to piece some of that together because, you know, this movie, you know, 2010 is taking place, you know, 15 years or so after the events of Captain Marvel. So they've obviously had much more of a rich history together and you know more about it now too. So I I do, I I do like, I like his character in this. It's funny you mentioned Fury because that scene, while I think the scene was a kick butt scene with him and Tony Stark, I didn't think Samuel L. Jackson did a good job playing it. I felt there were some lines that felt off to me in that scene uh, almost like to the point that i can't believe they didn't reshoot it because it, it sounded off it sounded like they were improvised lines that didn't hit right for me whoa 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 but no he took it you're iron man and he just took it the little brother walked in there kicked your ass and took your suit is that possible maybe it's because he's not as polished yet here where hmm. in some of the future some some of the future movies Nick Fury is much more polished and much more um he's he's much, he has much more of a gravitas attached to him I think um I think for me the two highs that I had um I mentioned one already which was just when Rhodey enter, enters the other ones were the two fight scenes uh, I loved the fight scene between Rhodey and, and and Stark I think that was with the another one bites the dust pain in the background I think that was amazing yeah, yeah. and then I loved that fight scene and then I loved the fight scene between uh Romanoff and and as he's as the, she's trying to get into the 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 prison to to find uh Whiplash I just how she goes about and starts you know knocking some heads I just you really get to see her power and you go whoa like she almost became comes like the second superhero of the movie you know uh so i really like that so so it's a really well done scene yeah absolutely it is so i guess we're kind of at the point where we're going to start wrapping it up any other random call outs or, or observations from the movie on your end um the only one being i am excited to talk more about the character development of tony stark because yeah. the tony stark you see in this movie is not the tony stark you see in Endgame, and I think that's a really cool arc. I I completely agree with you on that. The only other call-out that I have before we wrap it up is I loved that so as I mentioned already, I'm a huge fan of the show, the West wing. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not. It's a Aaron Sorkin show. It's about politics, yeah, yeah. but the scene, the scene where Tony is building that tube to build this new element. What a lot of people don't realize what he's building is actually what's called a super collider, superconductor. And this is an actual thing that exists, or at least it existed at one point. These things are built to collide electrons and microatomic parts together to create new elements, which is exactly what he did. In fact, there was one underneath Texas that spanned 54 miles. 54 miles of tubing underneath the state of Texas, but eventually got canceled because of budgetary problems back in the 90s. Bet you didn't have science <laughs> lesson on your beers and ears bingo card today. <laughs> it's closing time, Matt. Why don't you tell them how they can get a hold of us? Email us, beersandears1928 at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Beers and Ears Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, Beers Years 1928. We are just in day four of 23, so keep checking back here every single day. Uh, tomorrow is in The Incredible Hulk. Okay, that does it for us. Have a great day, everybody. See ya. See you tomorrow. I've been authorized by Director Fury to use any means necessary to keep you on premises. If you attempt to leave right. or play any games, I will tase you and watch Super Nanny while you drool into the carpet. Okay? I think I got it, yeah.
Enjoy your evening's entertainment. <laughs>